sell um, uh, onions and 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 uh, uh, potatoes and, mm. and tomatoes because people would make their Sunday gravy mm. out of this stuff mm. and would have a competition who sold the most. Um, sadly, 30 years after uh, so-called freedom, mm. we still have children learning under trees. Mm. Uh, we still have children falling into pit latrine toilets. The sacrifices people made for the idea of the ANC yeah. and, and what they did for that idea and where we are now is, yeah. is such a travesty. You know, maybe some guy that I'm, I'm bumping into at pick and pay or yeah. whatever yeah. could be the, 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 the guy who tortured me. Spread the fire. Spread the fire. Spread the fire. Spread the fire. Welcome back to SMWX. And today I have a very special episode for you and a very special guest. As we celebrate time with our families over this holiday period, I thought, why not bring a member of my family to the show? None other than the people's advocate, Dali Mbofu, known to me as Dad. How are you, Dad? Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, thank you very much, Sis. Uh, yeah. No, uh, it's good to be here. Great yeah. to be here. It's really wonderful to have you here. You've you've been a, a supporter of this channel before it uh, broke through the sound barrier. Watching, um, also people seem to think we kind of conspire to set media agendas, and so it's nice to just do it in public and just have the, our conspiracy meeting in public. Yes, absolutely. It has to be open now. Yeah. <laughs> The conspiracy started well back with entity. <laughs> exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah, so no, we, we're really glad to have you, Dad. And um, today, I wanted to really unpack your story. It's it's an important archive and document for our family um, because I think generations will go back and, and watch it and, you know, get to know who you are. It's interesting because you're a really famous person and I feel that. I know how, I think you're probably one of the most recognizable people in South Africa these days. But it's striking how someone can be so famous, but also people don't know so much of their story. They see you, you know, in, in the headlines representing all these well-known and often controversial clients. Mm. But take us back to where things started for you, where you were born and how you grew up. Yeah, no, thanks as well. <clears throat> um, you know, the irony, I think, of this interview is that uh, mm. it's... Um, almost like a, a lost opportunity for me. Mm. I've always had this aspiration of um, doing an interview with my mother. Hmm. Uh, wow. But unfortunately, she passed away before we mm. could realize that. Yeah, mm. Mm. Because um, to answer your question, that's actually where it all started. Mm. Um, you know, she was um, probably what built me to be who I am now. And um, uh, although my, my father also played a role, he passed on much earlier on mm. in my life. And uh, But even before that, uh, she was the breadwinner mm. because he was not, uh, he, he was not uh, generally well. Mm. Um, and so I think, I do think that um, most of the values that I, got really or, the, or, the, or that I think have guided me come from from her you know, her resilience never say die spirit mm. um, hard work 
very important. Mm. Um, but, um, you know, the single-mindedness and, and single-mindedness of, of purpose mm. um, are things that have driven probably most of the, the phases in my life, whether you're talking about upbringing, uh, you know, from infancy, actually, mm. <clears throat> uh, schooling, uh, you know, the bouts of detention and all the things that mm. I'm sure we'll talk about. Mm. <clears throat> leadership at uh, university level, uh, leadership in the community organizations politically and otherwise, and um, even leadership in the legal profession, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's interesting you say that um, about the, the goal you had, which I didn't know about, of, of wanting to interview Mamdolo, because yeah, yeah. that would have been a special interview. And I often feel like we don't have a lot of these intergenerational conversations. I know in, in our generation, our parents have, have done so much and been through so much, but we often actually don't even know your, your own stories. Yeah. And I think this will also encourage <clears throat> that intergenerational conversation to happen. Yeah. Um, do you have any stories of, of Mamdolo and in, in the early years of, of your life that, that illustrate the kind of role that, that she played and, and, um, the strength of her purpose in what were dire, dire circumstances of, of poverty. Yeah, look, the as you know, we we grew up in. Um, I was born in a place called Duncan Village. Uh, in fact, that would, the the very first shot of that interview would have been at that clinic because it's wow. still standing. Wow, um, oh, it's still there. It's still there. Mm. Yeah, and. Um, and grew up in what I always call a, a one-bedroom house, quote mm. unquote, which was really a glorified shack, mm. uh, simply because it had bricks instead of corrugated iron. But mm. it was literally just four walls mm. <clears throat> called the house. Um, but um, yeah, the story that strikes me the most about her determination to succeed is one that. I don't, I couldn't even remember because yeah. I got it from her mm. of um, walking. She would always tell us when we, because I used to walk to school, which was a bit far. And mm. she would say, look, that's nothing. She had to walk from this place in Duncan Village, which is called C-section, mm. to Quigney, which is close to the, to the beach uh, where she was working. Mm. And... Um, one story that stood with me is how she said, you know, just out of sheer embarrassment for not having shoes, mm. uh, she would think of this idea of putting a bandage around her foot or her one foot. Yeah. So that, uh, you know, uh, people will think the reason she's not wearing shoes is because she's got some injury of yeah. some sort. Yeah. yeah. But, um, and walk to, to wow. work. So also yeah. speaks to her humor and creativity. Yes, absolutely, and creativity. And, um, but uh, yeah, that shows you the, the kind of abject poverty mm. that, that we're talking about, mm. um, where people like her were forced to have to work, mm. you know, for white families, mm. <clears throat> get all sorts of abuse. And um, I still remember that, um, for example, we could phone, there was the old... Uh, telephone 
public telephones. Mm. So I still know the number, the telephone number wow. of by heart. Yeah. Wow. So if there was something, obviously we had no phone at home, mm. but there was a phone at the post office. <laughs> so if I wanted to talk to her, I would phone there and, mm. uh, you know, the madam pick up the phone. Because she worked as a domestic worker. As a domestic worker, yes. Exactly. Yeah. And so I would have to say, you know, hmm. uh, may I speak to Doris, which was her uh, hmm. slave name. Hmm. Um, and then she'll be called and so on and so on. So I had hmm. no idea what this place looks like. Yeah. Hmm. Because I had never been inside. Even when we went there, we had to stand outside. And hmm. if and she comes and very quickly does or gives you whatever, mm. and then move move mm. away. Yeah. Mm. Um, the funny thing, of course, is that a few years later, when I got arrested for the first time, yeah, the police took me straight to that place. Wow. And uh, so I can't imagine what she had to go through. Yeah. 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 But anyway, yeah. Sure. No. So um, she really, uh, you know, brought us up with with that understanding mm. that she she. With with the reso resolution that um, although she had no education, mm. but she would give her children education, and as it happened, um, the three of us then um, you know went and, and did something with our education, mm. and we were lucky also to have um, quite have it relatively easy at school. Let me put it like that, mm. because uh, all her three children were actually good performers at school. Yeah. Uh, and I suppose that was also, it had something to do with that um, uh, determination to succeed. Mm, mm. So the academic gene goes goes way back. Yeah, well, some of us may not have had PhDs, you know, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah. but uh, yeah, no, 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 it, it was quite something. I mean, uh, I always brag about the fact that, for example, in my metric class, when mm. we wrote, we were 173 people who sat for that exam. Mm. And when it was announced that there's only one person who got a, a first class university exemption, yeah. everyone knew exactly who that that probably no. was. Yeah. I mean, and just, had that no. not happened, by the mm. way, we probably wouldn't be. Well, we definitely here. wouldn't be. I well, I certainly <laughs> you might be here. Certainly, like, I, I really always think of that, Dad, and I think of. I have no idea how you did so well in matric, you know, um, under such conditions of poverty and. I don't know where you found the dedication to to do that, but you know, had you never got that scholarship from mm. from that school, then mm. literally your life also would never have gone the the way it did. You, you had to get that scholarship in those metric exams, yeah. and you got it. Somehow. Yeah, and you were the only person. Absolutely, no, it was uh, quite um, uh, intense as well. Yeah, there were and there were many of those turning points. Mm. Uh, which I always think about now. I mean, you know, as you know, before that, even before that, I had already worked in a factory. Yeah. And um, we're going to get because, into Yeah, out of the that. detention and so on. Mm. And again, I, I left that employment out of principle because mm. my comrades had been retrenched. Mm. Uh, and that's when I decided I'm not going to continue this. I'm going yeah. back to school. Hmm which at that stage was like a huge decision. I think my mother was shocked because mm. mm. everyone, including myself, had thought, okay, well, yeah, this is it. We're going to just aspire to be a supervisor yeah. and a manager yeah. or whatever yeah. in the car manufacturing plant. Yeah. But a decision like that at a particular point, 
which said, look, you have to go back mm. and uh, make this what looked like a sacrifice then of leaving a job. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so it's those kinds of, 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 of turning points, which I'm mm. quite sure had they not happened, um, would have, would have, we would be talking mm. a completely different language now. Mm. Um, <clears throat> but yes, the, the metric one was, was quite something because mm. I think generally, we, even we were not allowed in those days to even leave the black universities. So the best I could have aspired uh, to, which even that was a remote possibility, mm. would have been to go to Fort Hare mm. and maybe study something. Mm. Um, and um, but to come to Vitz was yeah. completely unthinkable. And the only key was really that um, mm. that good metric uh, outcome. Well, I want to pick up a lot of the milestones in the in the journey that you've spoken about. But can we go back to your father, my grandfather, yeah. after whom I'm named and my son is named? Yes. Um, he died when you were quite young. Mm. But can you tell us about uh, him and yes. your relationship with him and what you remember about him? Yeah, no, he was the most doting father. Hmm. And um, a, a common theme, <laughs> a common theme in the family, yeah. And l not to mention the doting grandfathers oh of today, oh, yeah. yeah. We've <laughs> given up with you and, and the grandfather, so um, yeah. And and this is um, a guy who was quite um, uh, you know, uh, revered in his own circles. Mm. I mean, he was the um, imbongi mm. of the, of the uh, area. Mm. Um, he, he his biggest passion was horse racing. Hmm. Nobody in that entire in, until today, people still talk about mm. the the horses that he yeah. bred and uh, used mm. to race across the length and breadth. I myself participated in this at some stage. Uh, wow! Although I was not the most successful jockey <laughs> in the world, yeah, but. Um, the yeah so that that, that was his um, his great pa passion mm. and um he he got sick before i even could become like aware of of my surroundings mm. and stopped working he had been working as a laborer in at uh, wilson roundtree sweet making factory right which is still there mm. um and um, after that, you know, you ended up doing odds, this and that. Yeah. At some stage, I mean, there's something I just remembered recently, mm. that he, at some stage he used to fix umbrellas. He was the umbrella fixer wow. <laughs> of the area. I don't even know where that came from. Yeah. So if people had their umbrellas broken or whatever they'd bring, and he was able to reassemble it wow. and charge them if, if, uh, uh, a few, probably yeah. 20 cents or 30 yeah. cents in those yeah. days, yeah. But um, yeah, more than anything, I think he he, um, he he was almost the mirror opposite of my mother. Mm. My mother was the strictest parent you can think of. Really? Yeah, uh, no nonsense, and yeah, yeah. and uh, you had to. I mean, if, <laughs> one of the chores I hated the most was this idea of she when she comes from wherever she goes past the market and mm. decides to buy tomatoes and this and the other, mm. just to augment her salary. Mm. 
and then who's going to be walking around the township selling these <laughs> things? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Um, we knew that once you see that box of something coming, yeah, <laughs> it means yeah, ahead. literal is going yeah. to be taken into some dish and to go around selling. Wow. Um, so this, you, yeah. you with with your siblings would literally go around. Yeah, we would have to. Yeah, and it was actually a big thing on Sundays. We would sell. Um, uh, onions and 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 uh, uh, potatoes and, mm. and tomatoes because people would make their Sunday gravy mm. out of this mm. stuff mm. and would have a competition who sold the most <laughs> and I'm sure she was yeah. enjoy, enjoying this yeah, yeah. Yeah. but it, for her that was it you know you had to know uh, yeah all this that the food that you're eating we all mm. have to contribute yeah. Mm. He, on the other hand, was the softy. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, uh, I was telling somebody recently of the 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 bribery. You know, yeah. Like, <laughs> if he was forced to kind of uh, lay a hand on you or to speak, yeah. <laughs> to speak roughly, mm-hmm. yeah, because he has to please uh, she who must be obeyed. Yeah. <laughs> Thereafter, when she's not there, kind of just, don't worry. Yeah. Don't worry. It's fine. Yeah. And then, by the way, here, do, do you like to have some two cents or five cents? Or something? That reminds me of a certain other father as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well. I remember. I remember if if I got a bad report or something, and mm. um, and my mother mm. is not. The strictest herself, yeah. but she would then say, "No, now yeah. yeah. the father just needs to down. talk to you about yeah. us, and then it mm. would be, <laughs> yeah. 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 Wink, yeah. wink. <laughs> and then I'd have to come out and say, yeah, yeah. Yeah. okay, tongueless, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so he, I mean, like like hey, the, basically these were just two working class mm. people, mm. Um, you know. It, um, it, it speaks to it speaks to the legacy of apartheid at its at its worst in mm. many ways, Dad. Because you, I mean, everyone knows your intellect, mm. your talent, and mm. you were somehow able to break out of that. But mm. we know that there are generations of our family, of so many families, black families in South Africa, where there were geniuses, there were there were yeah. people who could have done and been anything. And they were simply oppressed to the point where their prospects were were poverty. Absolutely, and I think really that's that's what it is. It just shows you the the potential mm. and um, the the waste mm. of of uh, you know humanity, human resources, um, leadership mm. that even now must be embedded in all mm. these shacks mm. that you drive past. And um, sometimes you just have to wonder yeah. how many potential uh, physicists yeah. or you know all types of other leaders mm. are sitting in those shacks. Um, you know, it's, 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 it's amazing how many Olympic mm. uh, gold medalists, mm. uh, racing drivers, mm. you know, musicians, yeah. all sorts of, 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 of people. And that's the tragedy of oppression, Sizwe, uh, mm. in that uh, even for those few of us who managed somehow miraculously mm. and sometimes uh, quite luckily mm. to escape the, that, uh, that life, it's, it, it must make you wonder as to what happened to sons, what happened to the people who were mm. your, let's call it intellectual uh, mm. rivals mm. at school. Mm. Maybe even better than you. Yeah, even better than you at many things, yeah. Uh, Who fell by the wayside Mm -hmm. and and just got trapped in the inevitable problems associated with poverty. Yeah. 
Um, and that, and that is, um, for me, it, it, it's the, the most painful thing mm. about apartheid because we've had many systems of, of oppression everywhere, but one which deliberately, by law, actually says that this high percentage of people in this country are not going to be given an education. Mm. Uh, that's unheard of. It's something that I don't even think we, we grasp. Yeah. Uh, the, 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 the lost potential over, over decades mm. of a regime that can say, we, our policy is mm. to make sure that these people get an inferior education. Yeah. All these children, simply because of their color, mm. will get an inferior education or no education at all. Mm. Uh, because they must work, they must be trained to be slaves for a particular race. Mm. That is something that's going to take us centuries to come out of. Yeah. And that's why the, cur the current regime is, uh, it's, it's a sin for them not, for example, to prioritize education. Because yeah. you'd think that a country coming out of that kind of brutality mm. will do anything to make sure that there's a, a, a proper educational system. Yeah. But um, sadly, 30 years after uh, so-called freedom, mm. we still have children learning under trees. Mm. Uh, we still have children falling into pit latrine toilets and uh, walking barefoot to school, um, you know, dilapidated classrooms, you name mm. it. Mm. Uh, and and that, that, that is just one example of what's yeah. wrong with the current system. And we, we have in, in the history of the liberation movement, and I say so widely because the ANC has always just been one part of a broader liberation Absolutely. movement. At different times, different entities and organizations have risen up. Yes. There's this strong tradition of intellectual and academic excellence and great minds, mm. you know, whether you're talking about Matweke or Tambo mm. or Hani, mm. but paired with strong activism yeah and and it's one thing to be smart and achieve academically but it's another to be politically conscious and Absolutely. shape society and to do both is a tradition in which you certainly fall into tell us about how you became politically conscientized and those 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 the first period of detention mm. at such a young age yeah. and and how that all happened because on the one hand, you're, you're, you're somehow doing well at school, mm -hmm. but you're also yeah. active. Yeah. No, no, you see, to your point about um, the bridge between the intellectual class, let's mm. say, mm. And, uh, and the masses, that has, I think, for so many uh, generations become the... The, the cornerstone of our struggle, really. Mm. Going back to um, the times, you know, the 100-year war for the land, mm. um, which uh, I've been reading a lot about. Uh, oh, interesting. Yeah, the nine so-called frontier wars mm. uh, in the Eastern Cape in particular. Um, you, It's the most amazing um, uh, journey of, mm. of heroism, of people resisting dispossession. 
I mean, just imagine 100 years fighting wars over 100 years, you know, pausing for a number of years, mm. starting again and so on, until, of course, the defeat uh, in after the Ninth War in 1878 or thereabouts. Mm. Um, and and the, the characters in those, um, in fact, okay, well, the, there is a book that you're going yeah. to have to read here. Yeah. For now, somebody else is reading it, your, oh, right. your sister. Ah, very <laughs> yeah. good, very good. He's actually here, by the way. It's, yes. it's, it's a whole so family somewhere. affair for yeah, December. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But uh, this book traces hmm. uh, in great detail those wars. And I was yeah. saying to her the other day that, you know, after reading this book, when you walk on any ground in the Eastern Cape, mm. you will feel that you're walking on blood, mm. Um, mm. which is true. Mm. So you have those people, that generation. Yeah. Then, of course, you've got the generation of uh, 1912 that formed the ANC. Yeah. In response directly to the so-called Union of South Africa, mm. which excluded uh, African people, um, which then became a, a blessing in disguise because the enemy thought they were dividing uh, African people, but for the first time there was a a, a song which was sung in um, at the formation of the ANC, which was Zulu Mkhosam Sutu Hlanganani. So the irony was that for the first time the people of South Africa realized that look, we don't we might have the our ethnic or so-called tribal differences, mm. but we're now being uh, excluded as a group, yeah. and therefore we must respond as a group. Mm and they formed the ANC. So again, that was uh, intellectual forethought by those leaders. Yeah, yeah. Then fast forward, as you said, to the 40s, when Mandela, Tambo, Lembede, mm. and the others actually realized what you are saying, even in a, in a sharper way, because mm. Mm. it is said that at that stage in the mid 40s, the ANC probably had a, a, a couple of thousand members, sure. you know, and it was mostly the elite and so mm. on. Mm. And Mandela and them realized that you no, know, for this organization to actually be a weapon in the hands of the people, mm. it needs to to speak to the people. Yeah. And within a few years, the, it grew to something like a hundred thousand members. Why? Because Mandela and them started the uh, 1952 uh, defiance campaign, mm. and and massified the ANC as it were. Yeah. Right up to the Freedom Charter and up to its burning. Yeah. Mm. And then another group of intellectuals uh, took over. Sobukwe mm. uh, and the others sharply differed with the ANC's approach to non-racialism and the neglect of the land question. And they, for the first time, broke away from the ANC on that basis, particularly on the land question. Mm. Um, unfortunately, the burning of the organizations happened within a, a few months or years, and therefore the PAC never really got to to, mm. to be mass-based. Mm. But the the seed had been planted, yeah. Then again, go to the 70s, where the Steve Biko's generation, mm. another intellectual young group, comes in and introduces black consciousness into into the mix. Yeah. So you already have three traditions. You have the non-racial tradition, mm -hmm. you have the pan-Africanist tradition, and then you have black consciousness. Yeah. And it is a mixture of all those mm. that then produces our generation uh, after right. the death of Steve Biko, uh, and which which now has to actually take the, the, the issues further mm. and bring 
mass mobilization and actually action against uh, the yeah. enemy, yeah. which culminates in 1994. So it's one mm. continuum, mm. Uh, literally from 1652 up yeah. to where we are. And therefore it's important for the current generation, that is why now in the EFF, for example, you have another generational mission, which has brought back the issue of land, particularly, which was forgotten, literally, mm. uh, into the fore, and has a, an amalgam, maybe, of mm. pan-Africanism, black consciousness, non-racialism, yeah. so-called chatterism, and uh, mixing that with uh, the teachings of, of Fanon mm. and uh, uh, other other uh, great African thinkers. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Mm-hmm. And and how does how does that relate back to your life and and how you become involved in politics at such such a young age and mm-hmm. part of that longer liberation tradition? Yeah. Yeah, well, that's an interesting story because yeah. the, the far as, as far as I can remember it, it starts with um, there was um, an uncle of mine who passed on quite early. Who used to he was a relative of my mother's uh, on the, my, my mother's side. Mm. Uh, his name was Mfusi Moss, and um, this guy was probably I'd say he would have been the best organizer or recruiter mm. yeah because he kind of in a subtle way you know would come talk to us me and my sister in particular mm. um, about uh, you know the situation and so on and I always say my, my earliest memory is when he gave me this book uh, cry the beloved country mm which by then I think was even banned. I mean, it's such a, sure. a liberal wow. piece of paper. Even that was, yeah, like, yeah, but even that was banned, yeah. So I read this at the age of 13 or so hmm. and thought, wow, yeah. And then he hmm. had another one which was called Black Like Me, yeah, hmm. not to be mistaken hmm. with the hair yeah. product. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and so through all this, you know, got us, Invo- mm. involved in a way, yeah, mm. and, and, and conscious of our surroundings. Mm. But um, 1976 for me became the turning point yeah. because I was um, at that stage in Standard 6. Mm. And, um, you know, the waves of 1976 spread across the country. Mm. And I, always, I think they probably reached my part of the world around about August or so yeah. after all these things. And yeah. we participated. We, I mean, we did probably the best we did mm. was just not to come back to school after the the, the long break or something well, to like be that. Fair, you're only in like standard. I don't. What is standard six grade? Grade uh, uh, probably yeah. four. Yeah, know, yeah, uh, one of those. But yeah. like, so you were already yeah. yes. So the most <laughs> revolutionary thing was to refuse to come yeah. back to to class after 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 uh, <laughs> the break. Yeah. But that alone was uh, some kind of consciousness. Yeah. And then, of course, the death of Steve Biko in 1977. Mm. That mm. just broke the, 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 the back. And yeah. talking about my mother, uh, mm. I told the story at, his fun- at her funeral. Yeah. That, um, you know, how we always maybe underestimate our parents. Yeah? Mm. Mm. So I used to read the news. She would come from the white people's place with a newspaper that's two or three days old, mm. yeah, which I probably got thrown away, and, yeah. and I would say, please, can I? Wow. Uh, yeah. Wow. 
Yeah, so that's so, how you get your current affairs. Yes, my mm-hmm. current affairs about yeah. two or three days later. Yeah. yeah. So she always told the story. This one day, uh, she comes with the paper as usual, mm-hmm. and then I pick it up, mm-hmm. and she's I drop it on the floor, walk away, mm-hmm. and kind of, you know, in a frenzy. Mm-hmm. And she's like, what's wrong with this kid? Yeah. Like, you know, so she says, as I said, oh, they've killed him. And she yeah. says, who? Yeah. And like, in probably condescending manner, I said, no, some guy, like, look, you won't understand. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but anyway, she, it, 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 obviously it was the biggest story. Everyone mm. got involved in it because we, you know, where we, as you know, where we, uh, our home is probably 40 kilometers stone throw away from Ginsberg where Steve Biko was. Yeah. So we all knew of him and yeah. we never met him physically. Sure. But we used to read, it was the in, legend. In, yeah, the legend, yeah. he was in the papers, he was in court for this, he has been released for mm. this or whatever. Mm. And, um... I don't think at that stage I actually thought that the regime could be so brutal as to actually kill someone sure. like that in, in such a brutal yeah. fashion. Yeah. Um, of course, there were stories about people um, mm. who, who had been given the death sentence in the 60s, but who were still even young to, yeah. to couldn't be like someone that you actually can relate to. Yeah. Mm. Mm. And then, of course, that story grew and it became a big international mm. story mm. of how this person was beaten up for what? Just for his ideas? Yeah. And to death. And the funeral uh, happened mm. uh, a stone throw away from, from uh, where we lived. And you were, you were at that funeral, Dad? No, I, my mother did, wouldn't have... <clears throat> I tried all my tricks to, oh, get, yeah. to get to the funeral. Yeah. But uh, only my eldest sister, Tobeka, was in... Oh, uh, uh, so, so she got... The, yeah, the she got it. And she brought back for me that poster oh. of uh, Biko and, wow. and Solidarity. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. I, I was there in spirit, <laughs> definitely. But uh, my mother wouldn't have none of it. Yeah. Because yeah. it was obviously... Those were scary times. Mm-hmm. But... Thereafter, I think in um, 1979, you can yeah. say that's the time when I really now decide that, look, mm. th- there's no other way but to get directly involved, mm. become aware. We formed COSAS, mm. uh, which was a, a, a very big historical moment that uh, mm. sometimes gets forgotten. Mm. 79, 1980, I'm a leader of COSAS in the, in the Eastern Cape, or, mm. or at least in East London. And um, um, we participate in the new wave of yeah. second wave, if you like, of of, of school boycotts in 1980. Uh, I'm a leader of that group, and um, the uh, long and short of it is that we got arrested for mm. arson and sabotage, which was like a big thing. Yeah. So um, you allegedly were involved in. I was, uh, I was allegedly involved in the burning of my yeah. uh, my school you, and, and and others. You may or may not have been involved in <laughs> yes. the burning of a school. No, I yeah. may or may not have been uh, at that time at mm. or near my school. Yeah. Yeah, in and around <laughs> yeah. the vicinity. Yeah. Wow. But um, so that 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 becomes a shocker. Mm. We are now at the age of seventeen. Yeah. Um, uh, for me, mm. and one of my co-accused was actually even younger. I think he was fifteen or sixteen. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Um, and and now you you really meet for the first time. Yeah. You know, we've been talking talking in all these 
terms about the brutality mm. of the state. <laughs> but uh, mm. let me tell you, until you mm. actually come across it here, yeah. mm. um, I remember our very first day, um, we were literally beaten up to pulp, hmm. you know? And um, was this was this in the in, police in the station? police cells in right. Santana, so when yeah. you'd been Anyone. arrested? Yeah, we just got we were arrested. Yeah, you're uh, seventeen at the time. Yeah, seventeen, and uh, I, I got so unlucky because I I was visiting one of my comrades after the alleged uh, offence. Mm. Yes, uh, which may or may not. <laughs> yes, and um, they were going to fetch him, mm. and then they were going to go to my house because mm. they already had information, I think. Mm. So they just find me there, mm. like with the, their lives. <laughs> so when they do the raid, I oh. jump into uh, the blankets, mm. and just before they left, they say, who's this now in the blankets wearing shoes? <laughs> And they uh, uncover. Yeah. So, oh, both we are. Yeah, just join the get into oh. the van. Yeah. What 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 mm. what went through your mind when you like? Wow, I've actually yeah, been caught. Yeah, meeting the them. Yeah, it was absolute uh, mm. devastation. Yeah. Mm. But uh, as I say, uh, there was a woman um, whose name was Tamara. I've forgotten her name. Who mm. was part of our unit, as it mm. were. Mm. There were two brave women who were part of our our squad. Mm. Um, and on that day when we were being beaten up by these people yeah. for the first time, she actually fainted and, and mm. lost consciousness. Yeah. yeah. Sure. The other one was a lady who was um, still, uh, in fact, as I talked to her even now, she left mm. and went to exile. She's back right. in, in touch now. Pumeza, mm. probably one of the bravest uh, people I've ever known. Yeah. Mm. And, um, you know, my mother always tells me what, when she, because they went to fetch her. Mm. When she saw us in that in that place mm. where we were be, uh, the following day, yeah, she thought she was visiting a casualty ward in, in a hospital. And um, mm. anyway, mm. So, so that was the the real first encounter yeah. with the brutality yeah. of the regime. And as you know the story, I stayed there. My 18th birthday, I spent in that cell. Yeah, mm. where my comrades had to break pieces of bread. Mm. Uh, to to celebrate my yeah. birthday yeah yeah i remember yeah. when i turned 18 and now whenever anyone in the family turns Absolutely. 18 mm. they get told, told story. that story yeah, yeah. yeah. because uh, in fact that's that's why i have so much respect for the parents mm. I mean, because every time each one of you turns 17 or mm, 18 mm. Uh, i'm sure you've heard this story so many times i always think mm. what i mean yeah. if they were to take this little thing mm. into mm. some cell. Mm. I don't even think I would be able to sleep yeah. Yeah. because at 17, 18, mm. you, you know, to, in the eyes of your parents, yeah. you're, yeah. You're, you're still nothing, really. Mm. Um, but that's, that's the, yeah. this regime was able to do that. Imagine yeah. those parents who didn't know where these kids are. Mm. No, you know, Steve Biko has just been mm. Uh, mm. Uh, killed recently, and you hear all these stories about yeah. what happens there, yeah. and you don't know where your child is. Mm. You don't, you can't visit them. You don't know when they will come back yeah. or if they will come back alive. Um, so that's so much was the 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 brutality of the state. Anyway, to cut a long story short, we got, we then uh, yeah. do the trial. Well. Can I can I elongate yes. the the long story? The long story. <laughs> yes. okay. To 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 shorten a, to lengthen a short, short story. story yeah. um, 
how how long was that period of of detention and so so you were arrested and you were detained was it was it because of the law that you were just basically detained for because yeah. i'm thinking like you were arrested but then when was the trial and, yeah 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 like, it's confusing now yeah. with uh, uh the kind the of law the law no what happened is that we were detained under there was some law called uh, i think it was something called r252 of the what what in in in, in the sky mm. which is a, a a country that you've never heard of <laughs> <laughs> um that was 90 day detention sure so it but was 90, okay. the 90 day detention was a, mm. a term of art yeah because it, all it meant was that mm. you get detained for 90 days mm. so you sit there if anyone who's never been in a prison cell yeah. will not believe this you literally count uh, it's one mm. two and then it's like a hundred years before it's three sure. and then it's another day mm. it's another day and so on but the irony is that as you get closer to 90 mm. that's when you're getting worried because the likelihood is that at 90 they're going to give you another order and start again at sure. one two oh, three gosh, exactly yeah. Yeah. but the, the so that's what happened mm. and um, so and that. then yeah in it was under that and in our case so most people would then be released at some point yeah. or another yeah. but in our case because there was now this this um uh, crime mm. we then got charged instead mm. of being released and then mm. we were taken to court right. then uh, we got bail or whatever yeah. and then had to come back to to <laughs> to do the actual trial yeah. now yeah um sure so the the um that was quite something I mean, yeah it was it was it was very brutal so how long did the detention that first about? one took about I think I got out in November, hmm. early December. It took about four months or so. Yeah. Wow. But uh, the, the, before you think yeah. that was like a good thing, it was yeah. it, it ended up being a, like a Christmas break, because mm. in January, uh, early February of 1981, I was mm. detained again. Mm. This time for possession of ANC literature and. All sorts of Ironic. things, which Ironic was a now. big thing. Yeah, yeah it's... It was like a big. That was like the worst thing you could do. Just having literature. Yeah. About the no, you could have your arson yeah. and your sabotage and so on, but to have anything Shit. material that connects yeah. you to the ANC. That's why was like. Uh, it's so sad now, and we will get to this yeah. later because I want to carry on with the story. But yeah. the sacrifices people made for the idea of the ANC yeah. and and what they did for that idea and where we are now is yeah. is such a travesty. It, it, yeah. it really is, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, I still yeah. remember now the exclamation of the the police were raiding my house. Mm. Um, in fact, I always tell the story, it's so funny, because actually someone else had bent a school or some building or rent mm. office or whatever. Mm. And lazy as they were, they thought, okay, well, we know who the arsonists are. <laughs> they yeah. come to my house. <laughs> City, I know wow. nothing about this. Yeah, yeah. But then, um, just before they realized that I genuinely was yeah. sitting there, one of them finds this thing in, you know, sure. and claims. What kind of literature was it? Do you remember? It was, um, well, it, it was quite dangerous, quote unquote, mm. at that time. Mm. Because I think subversive what shocked them, literature. yeah, very subversive. Yeah. What shocked them the most was that I had pamphlets, mm. which were obviously for distribution, because mm. we were part of an underground cell. Mm. So I had pamphlets which were talking about the raid 
that the SADF had done in Mozambique, mm. where they killed uh, ANC people in Matola. Okay. It's called a Matola raid. Okay. Now, there were two significant raids mm. where the SADF went into other countries and, and killed people. Mm. One was in Maseru, the other one was in Matola. Mm. Now, the biggest shock for them was the fact that this had happened literally at the end of January of 1981. Mm. And here I am two or three weeks later in East London with pamphlets dealing with this, mm. which are clearly ANC pamphlets. Mm. So mm. they thought, then you must be so well connected mm. because mm. all these things used to take a long time to yeah. travel. Yeah. So that was the first thing. But the worst one yeah. was this, the ANC had this uh, magazine called Sichaba. Mm. And uh, I was cursing this ANC people <laughs> at that time, the, who does this, you know? Yeah. Outside of the thing, it's it's it has its title. I don't know if it's still. I'm sure somebody has got it in an archive. Mm. So it's written, yeah, Sichaba, mm. and then below, in big bold, it says the official mouthpiece of the <laughs> African National Congress. So, so, yeah. so not this, ideal when not, there's a law not, against. Not absolutely. So the this policeman <laughs> went like, yeah. yo, like yeah, yeah, yeah. somebody was beating wow. him up. Yeah, wow. and uh, anyway. Cut long story short, there was another stint in quite um, even more brutal detention because mm. now it's February, March. Yeah. So it's winter. It's getting into the winter. Mm. I, mm. I stay in a place called Dimbaza, which is uh, just outside of King Williamstown, uh, close to the mountains, very mm. uh, bitter conditions. Yeah. Mm. Um, until uh, about, ironically, I'm released from that detention maybe in April, May, another four yeah. months or so, yeah. because I have to stand trial for the right. original ah, right, uh, right. Uh, accident sabotage. Hmm. Yeah. That trial starts around April, May. Yeah. We get um, acquitted, I think, in June. Let's let's come to that trial, Dad, because hmm. um, I suppose there's another story that's starting to build there, which is that your, your love and knowledge Absolutely. for the law is starting to you're accused yeah. but you're now in a trial mm. and you're starting to see the law at work even though yeah. the law is is about you mm. tell us about that trial you're you are you 18 at the time or yeah or? i'm now this is eight yeah i'm 19 yeah eight between 18 and mm. 19 not yet 19 yeah, yeah. yeah. And, I'm, and i'm exactly 18 because I, I was going to turn 19 in september of that yeah. year yeah tell us about that trial and and how you also of course it's major for your life because you don't know whether you're going to jail or not but you're also starting to un see the law for the first time like yes yeah and, and where you are now as like a senior yeah. advocate that was the moment where it must have been in, in my head where you start understanding and thinking hmm the law yeah no absolutely i mean it's another um, uh, turning point mm -hmm. yeah uh, you'll realize one day when you're my age, that's all these many turning yeah. points. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the that particular turning point is is significant, at least in the if you talk about the legal yeah. career. Yeah. Because you know, I always joke that um, I've probably now played every possible role you can play in the law. I've yeah. been an accused. Mm. I've been an attorney, mm. I've been an advocate, yeah. I've been a judge, yeah. 
And uh, the only one that was missing was uh, being a prosecutor. <laughs> but now yeah. I'm part of I'm a private prosecutor. <laughs> so I'm done all that. Done, yeah. done, it, uh, done it all, as yeah. it were, yeah. No, but what happened there is that it was quite something. I mean, there's a guy, and for some reason I never met this guy again. It was a young advocate called uh, Deva Pillay mm. um, who came to represent us hmm. in, the, in the trial. And he was so good. Mm. And um, and you know the I was fascinated by all this the preparation for the trial mm. the you know we had all these fascinating things mm. the trial within a trial mm. um, you know we had made so called confessions which were beaten out of us yeah mm. how he had to show that these confessions mm. were not real mm. confessions mm. they were just uh, results of people being beaten up. Mm. And, and, and that kind of thing. I was very impressed by this. Mm. By that time, of course, it was another bold decision to even stand the trial because, uh, you know, one actually one of my co-accused, Mzimasiala, uh, um, uh, mm. left the country because we either had to face the trial or leave and yeah. join MK. Mm. One one of the guys thought ah, I'm not I'm not taking mm -hmm. this chance of going to Robben Island mm -hmm. or something. Mm -hmm. I'm leaving, so he left. So only three of us were left. Anyway, <laughs> at the end of this um, trial, the, this guy, this advocate guy, uh, says to me, "Look, uh, we've had all these interactions and preparations and yeah. how I performed on the in the box and yeah. all that." Yeah. So he just basically says, "Yeah." You'll make a great lawyer one day. Hmm. Uh, I think, okay. Wow. I mean, I've been accused. Only my mother used to uh, sarcastically call me the lawyer because <laughs> answering, trying to get out of some <laughs> difficult situation. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so that that yeah, that was the, when the, hmm. the seed was planted, as wow. it were. Wow. Um. Then I go back to school, as I've said before. Hmm. And then I'm quite good at maths and science and all these things. Mm. And uh, I get a, an engineering scholarship. So forget about the law. So I yeah. got to vets to, well, start, well, to study engineering. Yeah. Can we can we stop there again? Because like you've just been detained mm. twice mm. and had a criminal trial. And worked at a factory. Right. Let's let's go there. Mm. So so. You're acquitted. Uh, or, yeah, we're acquitted yeah. around yeah. about June, July. Great. It's obviously too late now to go back to school. Right. Uh, right. Because I've also just come out of my other detention. Of yeah. course, yeah. So what yeah. else am I going to do? I have to look for a job because hmm. I'm just sitting there doing nothing. Yeah. yeah. And I look for a job. <laughs> That's another story for another day. Yeah. Anyway, eventually I get employed at... Um, what is today called Mercedes-Benz South Africa. And mm. in those days it was called CDA. Mm. And um, yeah, I become a sport welder, <laughs> which is like literal, pro probably the lowest form of labor you can get in that mm. place here, yeah. mm. um, where we're now making cars and assembling Mercedes-Benz yeah. and all that. Inevitably, I joined the union. <laughs> Yeah, no, yeah. What to else can you do? Yeah, um, shame that that you that 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 plant didn't know what what, what, what was, was yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, and by the end of that year, I'm leading yeah. a strike and one of the biggest <laughs> strike in the entire place. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. um, and 
the um the South African Allied Workers Union, mm. which was unregistered and like known as the subversive mm. ANC union, mm. were organizing in the in the factory. Mm. And then in December, as I say, they then retrenched, you know, there were no labor laws to speak of in those days, yeah. Mm. So quite frankly, what happened is at the end of the year, around about this time of the year, mm. you close the factory and you get your so-called bonus for the for the you know, which is yeah. probably I was earning something like fifty-one rand per week or something. Mm. But so you get a bit of a bonus and then you have to come back in January. And these guys literally did this. When we finished, uh, the, maybe this could have been the Friday of, of uh, congruent to that one. Yeah. The, you just come there, they give you a salary, and then they tell you, okay, you're not coming back. Sure. That's it. The, bye-bye. Mm. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So this happens to maybe if we, like there were, were 10 ring, so-called ring mm. leaders mm. of the strike here. Yeah. So it happens to maybe six or seven of them. And for some reason, I'm not one of them. Mm. It's the other seven. Mm. And um, so we come out there thinking, nah, no, we're going to, when we come back, we're going to have another strike and da, da, da. Mm. And, you know, people being people, they spend the money in December. So in January, when we came back to for the big action, mm. the <laughs> workers were not very keen because they wanted to get them some money back. Yeah. That's when I got frustrated and I said, I just went and said, I'm out of here. Hmm. Uh, not before I had found the principal at my school to see yeah. if there was still a place here. Wow, wow. And that was the, the big turning point. So, so you had, so you were detained your trial, mm. you leave the trial to go and work mm. in a Mercedes-Benz factory yeah, and then decide, you know what, mm. I'm actually going to go back to school. Yeah. And you you must were 19, 20 then? Yeah, um, by now I'm 19, yes. Yeah. Mm. And you go back to school mm. and get, in that year, the one scholarship yeah. that gets you to, yeah. to VITS. Yeah. What was that year of, of school like? And do you remember, like... The work and and how you how you managed to get yeah. yourself disciplined to to do so well academically that year. Yeah, I do. I mean, the first thing I did was to stop, stop smoking. Oh, wow. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. <laughs> because you know, back in the in the yeah. factory. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. So uh, <laughs> when you're a radical revolutionary worker, absolutely, leader. you can't not have a, a cigarette in your mouth. Yeah, hmm. and. Um, so it was that kind of, of year. Mm. By the way, uh, one of the most important things is that literally in February, mm. which is when I just go back to school, mm. uh, this first time I ever came to Johannesburg, set my foot here, mm. was in February of that year, 1982. Okay. Because in February, as just maybe I two or three weeks into back into school, the police here at John Foster Square, kill Neil Agate. Mm. Neil Agate was a white trade unionist mm. who, who who was killed in detention. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So now some of my comrades in the union don't even know that I'm not there anymore. Yeah. So yeah. I get uh, messages that yeah, on such and such a date, we're going to be hiring a bus and mm. driving to Johannesburg for the funeral because <laughs> it's another big issue. Mm. So uh, I I put my name on the list and then I... I the, 
fortunately, you know, I had a, uh, the school principal was quite a progressive guy, he was um, an ex-Robin Islander, by the way. Mm. So he's, he's the only one that I told that, look, yeah. I'm, I'm going to, the, to this funeral. The students and uh, everyone else doesn't know this. So yeah. on Friday, when the bus is going to leave Joburg, I mean, uh, East London, I sneak out of school, mm. go get into uh, the bus terminal and we drive off we drive to Johannesburg. Mm. And um, this this guy was such a sly one. So he apparently, after I left, went to my class because we were supposed to have afternoon classes. Mm. said, yeah, where's Mpofu? And they said, Oh, well, he was here. Da, 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 mm, da. Mm. So when I came back the following Monday, they said, you're in trouble. You know, the principal was <laughs> like pretending to look. Yes. <laughs> anyway, so we, we then come here for that uh, uh, funeral. So that's how my year started. Mm. Back to school. Mm. Then it's, um, uh, you know, literally working as hard as I could. Yeah. And... Um, uh, getting to write, I was even in the something called the Matric Olympiad, Maths Olympiad, mm. and uh, yeah. So after, since probably nine, three years before that, this was yeah. my first normal year, if yeah. you can call that normal. Yeah. Um, and um, at the end of it, then the 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 good results come. Yeah, and then you end up going to WITS and, and becoming a student. Yes, uh, then I get uh, yeah, yeah, something called the, the uh, cadet scheme. I come here, mm. I'm an engineering student. Mm. I do a pre-engineering year and then I do engineering one and then I hate it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I ended up doing practicals in a, in some mine, yeah. Mm. And I, I remember thinking, cause if this is going to be the rest of my life, like sitting and analyzing a rock, yeah. For six weeks, I don't think. Yeah. yeah. And as it happened, uh, another coincidence, because I was the leader of the um, House Committee at WITS, mm. we had a food boycott, which I was also part of the leadership thereof. So we got charged mm. by the university mm. and uh, were actually going to be expelled. Yeah. yeah. So we go through this uh, at the end of the year, mm. this trial and uh, skull yeah. you know was one yeah. of the people uh, defending us yeah wow and um so we, again we get acquitted mm. of this so second time lucky yeah we get acquitted and by that process i met uh, professor john dugard mm. who was one of the progressive professors at, at law school yeah. yeah so when i was sitting analyzing the rock <laughs> I decided to call Professor Dugat because mm. we also struck. He also thought, yeah, yeah I, 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 I should do law. Yeah, I yeah. should do law. So I phoned him and said, mm. well, you said I should do law. Yeah. Do you think there's still place at law school? So he says, mm. don't just call me in the next two hours or whatever. Wow. And I don't know, whatever he did. Yeah. I call him back. He says, you can, you can come. So I come back. Mm. Shout out, shout out to Professor Dugard. Yeah, shout out to Professor Dugard, yeah. yeah. So I then give up my very nice scholarship, which paid, mm. which actually mm. paid us a stipend yeah. wow. uh, to start. Uh, and I had saved up money because mm. there's no one else who was going to... I couldn't say to my mother I was earning like a hundred rand a month or yeah. something. Uh, can I have some money for fees? Yeah. Mm. So I've saved up some money. I pay adverts in those days. You had to pay something like 40% at mm. front. I pay that 40% to register for law. And then 
I didn't know how, where, and wow, I'm going to get the next mm. amount. And and the, until Kathy Satchel comes yeah. into the picture. Yeah. So now I, Kathy Satchel was an attorney, a progressive attorney, uh, says, okay, I'll pay for your 60%, but you're going to have to come and work, hmm. work at the end of the year. Mm. And she mm. does mm. indeed that. That becomes another chapter of my life. Yeah. I ended up doing, in fact, last week I was at her farewell party. She's Amazing. now living in Joburg to yeah. live in the Eastern Cape. Uh, a brilliant lawyer, great yeah. human being, yeah. It's so amazing how there, there are these people at different parts of one's one's life. I think of Advocate Deva Pillay. Yeah. If anyone watching has any connection to Please, that family yeah, or whatever. Like absolutely, it. yeah. Um, and with, former mm, judge, Satchwell. Mm, absolutely. A, a great After role. you guard. Yeah. Prof. Jugard, yeah. Kathy Satchwell, ironically, uh, after the, the, this um, payment for the for the fees. And she became a judge. Right? Yeah, she became a judge. Yeah. And she's now a retired yeah. judge, yeah. And um, anyway, the following year, there's a state of emergency. In mm. 1985, there's a state of emergency. I get arrested again, mm. get uh, detained with yeah. people like Amos Masondo and others. By the way, yeah. the other day I was at a wedding mm. and the groom's father, mm. who was living in the US, mm. came up to me and he said, hello. Um, I know your father, and I said, "Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hi." Join the I get that a lot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and he said, in 1986 or something, we were in adjacent cells, so I was the cell next to him, and we only knew each other's voices, so mm. we would talk to each other, yeah. and then only when we came out did we actually see yeah. what the other person looked like. Yeah. Um, this is um, Mr. Duma, I believe. Yes. Um, so yes, yes, yes. Yeah, that no, literally. Actually, it's yeah. true. Yeah, he was on this. Uh, we were in solitary confinement, mm. then he was on this cell. Mm. The other mm. cell was the Lakesi Sulu. Wow. And if I told you how, when we say we, <laughs> we we used to we had the telephone. Mm. Now you know what the telephone was. No. In the solitary confinement cell, mm. yeah. you have you have you just have yourself a space like this and the loo hmm. so you had to take away the water from the loo mm. we t i don't know where this came from i'm sure someone else invented it earlier yeah take and the other person also takes away the water sure. then you are able to talk wow uh, to to them as it were yeah so that's how we used to communicate with Zuelake and wow. the others because wow. they other people they think you're sitting there doing nothing mm. meanwhile you're yeah, plotting all sorts of things wow through, wow. through that, that's, the, that system. I know it's, I know it's, it's, it's a tough subject, but solitary confinement must be among the, the worst it, things. It, it is, it is the worst thing that you can subject any human being mm. to. I mm. can tell you. Mm. you, you know, as I was saying to you, if, you know, this time that we have spent here now, mm. you know, a couple of hours and, and so on, mm. when you're in solitary confinement, you, literally feel every minute of it mm. and you have to find coping mechanisms mm. um uh, in fact sometimes you even look forward to the, the interrogation they'd rather take wow. come and take you and interrogate yeah. you and torture you and do whatever than just sitting there yeah um yeah uh, my funniest part about solitary confinement is I, is, because you'd have the, the, a thought. So I'd be sitting, yeah, if you were born, I would have said, okay, now I'm yeah. going to think about Caesar. 
Yeah. And then you to say, yeah. no, no, no. I think I'm going to save that thought for the evening. Thought, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a series, no? <laughs> it's a big uh, thing. Netflix yeah. and think. <laughs> exactly, yeah. As Lexi like thinking you're yeah. going to play this. <laughs> yeah, no, watch no. this time. No, no, that thought's yeah. too that good. That thought is save too good. I'll save it for tonight, yeah. And then you spend the whole night thinking, what was that? Oh, well, damn, I, I forgot the <laughs> So it's, it's wow. things like that, yeah. That so, is, I mean, and the, the other funny thing I, I always tell people, <laughs> I, there was a day where I, I was thinking and, and I was wondering, why am I thinking in English? That was the big <laughs> thing, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but no, let me think about that. Yes, yeah, exactly. Um, wow. So, it, it, yeah, it, it, mm. it's quite, the, the, that's real. I mean, whoever invented that um, mm. knew how to mm. touch a person. Mm. To the extent, uh, you know, I saw someone at, at the Kathy Sutchwell's thing uh, yeah. recently. Yeah. Um, uh, Ishim Kabela was mm. a leader of Azapo. And we, when I, I, I got moved from solitary confinement, mm. Probably after two months or so, to sure. the communal cell where everyone else was held in yeah. in um, Johannesburg prison, mm. and it, it the, the the absurdity of how brutal solitary confinement is, is. When I was taken to those people, it was it felt like I was being released. Wow! So these comrades were sitting there yeah. brooding about going, and I thought, guys, <laughs> we're here. Oh, we're here. <laughs> we can talk. We, we can sing. Yeah, we can wow. play Scrabble or whatever. Yeah. And I don't know what you're complaining about. Yeah. yeah if you knew just, where I'm coming from. Yeah, no, that's just oh, anyway. But um No, it's 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 powerful. It's it's very powerful that and it's um I think one thing I've always got from you, which you never necessarily had to say, and I think that all of all of the siblings and is is there's a certain strength and conviction and commitment. Um and I'm sure solitary confinement breaks a lot of people. Yeah. But I've always suspected and thought that that's also probably where you found you know when when you're criticized in the yeah. media or like yeah. i often hear you saying like yeah come yeah. on but but i'm sure that must have been a, a period where you found that like that strength to yeah. make it through what must have seemed like an impossible task no absolutely i mean when you come out of that yeah the, something happens to you mm. yeah and you're right i think People would either at that point make a, a decision, a serious decision, yeah. to say, "Look, I'm not going to get involved in this. Mm. This is mm. just too much. I didn't know that it's going to be like this." And many people did that, and and were, you can't blame them, mm. yeah, because mm. it was quite brutal. Sure. Nobody would like to be tortured and all all that. Yeah. yeah. Or their families would say, and that's why family support is also important. Look, mm. you can't, you just mm. can't do this. Mm. Or you take a decision there and then that this I'm going to do, if I die, I die. Mm. And it's a serious decision. It's not a, you know, some emotional yeah. type of thing. It's a decision that you make at that point and you are prepared literally to die for the cause. Mm. And, um, and so, yeah, that's what happens. It, it's, it's, it, and that's why, that's why sometimes, I mean, I remember one, after one of my detentions, uh, mm. the, my earlier detentions, I think my mother thought I'd lost my mind, literally, because I just came home and, uh, you know, enjoyed the good meal. I still remember it was nice chicken and this and mm. that and the other. And, you know, people were coming and celebrating and so on. And 
And then in the evening, I said, okay, I'll see you guys. She said, where are you going? I'm going to the meeting. <laughs> it was like the most natural yeah. thing. Yeah, like there's a meeting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they probably think, come on, yeah. are you not even going to take a week yeah. off yeah. Yeah. from uh, dangerous activities? Mm. Yeah. Mm. But for us, it was not an option mm. at all. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah, it was quite, uh, it was, yeah, as a make or break mm. type of, of moment. Yeah, you're quite right. No, it's amazing. And, um, you know, I wanted this interview to be. <clears throat> what people don't know about you yeah. because actually the story from here many people know and yeah. have, has been written mm. many people see you in the media but mm. i feel like there are so many heroes in our country who who have been through so much and sacrificed mm. so much mm. whose stories we actually still don't know yes we know some struggle yeah. stories that we've heard but there, there are literally thousands and thousands oh, of yeah. these stories of people who are like mm. who walk among us oh yeah and and so just also from my perspective, like if I see you being criticized, mm. which which happens a lot, uh, <clears throat> criticized being uh, mm. very unfairly in mm. my view. The thing that angers me the most is people don't know yeah. what you had to do to mm. get to where you are. Yeah. Um, and and they'll never understand that. No. And that's what what pains me. So it's 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 cathartic in a way to be able to yeah. hear your story. I learned certain things that. I didn't know mm. about you, which, mm. which is um, hmm. amazing. Yeah. But just for you to know that you know we love you, we respect you, we're we're so like proud of everything you've achieved, and that story is what has allowed the next generation to come, and and build on top of your legacy, Mamdolo's legacy, and the legacy before. Um, as long as you know that, then we're happy. Yeah, no, thanks, boy. Yeah, of course, uh, I love you guys too, uh, very much. But uh, it's also important for me that without me having to teach you these things, I'm assured mm. that uh, uh, all my children have uh, picked up these things. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, your sister Zogazi was mm. telling me the other mm. day that, uh, yeah, an Uber driver was asking her, so why do why do you get these great ideas? Yeah. Mm. And, and she was it's laughing. A, it's a long story. Uh, <laughs> I grew up with this stuff. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I think that Uber driver was surprised at this uh, kid who's jumped into the the car and, yeah. and going on about the yeah. situation mm. and analyzing. Mm. Uh, so that's the positive side. Mm. But also on the negative side, I think... Um, I mean, I see sometimes you getting kind of uh, rubbish commentary mm. on Twitter or mm. whatever. Mm. Mm. And um, I, I think ordinarily I would have to phone you and say, yeah. oh, no, uh, this, these people uh, are being unfair on mm. you. Mm. But I I don't do that yeah. because I know that yeah, you you know the stuff, mm. you know the drill. Mm. Um, it comes with the territory. Yeah. You must just be determined to do what you have to do. Yeah. Um, um, you know, somebody once said that uh, you can be you, you can be loved by everyone as if you are money, <laughs> only money that is loved by everyone. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So um, you love your critics, and um, and um, but if you know what you are about yeah. and you have some deep convictions, and you're not doing these things for fame mm. or show, mm. but for their own sake, um, you know. You don't have to. People yeah. who know you, they know you. 
Yeah. And um, those who think they know you, it's fine if 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 if, if that's what yeah. uh, makes them uh, feel happy. But you must never be um, sidetracked. Mm. So, for example, I talk about uh, uh, someone like Nelson Mandela. Mm. You know, the Nelson Mandela that is created now, or uh, that we're all supposed to idolize. Mm is the one that's created of the maybe the last 10 years of his life mm. uh, by the media but that same media uh, portrayed him as the most horrific mm. devilish terrorist for so many years yeah that is why the same people who now want to lecture us about um uh, you know how you should conduct your struggle and mm. how you must be polite and mm. so on mm. are the same people who voted for uh 10 elections or whatever mm. for Mandela to sit in jail for 27 years. And I always enjoyed when people say, oh, you know, you can't say that Mandela mm. was in jail for 27 years. And I say, but who kept him there? Mm. It's like he locked himself up <laughs> there. Yeah. So people um, imagine if he thought, mm. oh, well, maybe I am this devilish terrorist. Mm. Um, but he knew who he was. Yeah. He did what he had to do. And some of them died thinking that, mm. but those who, li mm. who lived to see mm. uh, uh, his later life uh, yeah. came to realize that what he was saying was not was the furthest thing from being devilish. Yeah. So, and that's just a story for for one person, but there are, as you correctly say, thousands, but thousands of people who went through ten times what I've just mm. described to mm. you. Mm. Um, who have not been recognized, who are walking in the streets. Yeah. At the same time, and more importantly, there are other thousands of people who worshipped uh, apartheid, who, mm. who were and still are racists. Mm. Those people who tortured us, they're, they're also walking in the streets. So I always worry about that mm. even more. Mm. That, you know, maybe some guy that I'm, I'm bumping to at pick and pay or yeah. whatever. yeah could be the the the, the guy who tortured me mm. or or whatever mm. but you know society has uh, sanitized that mm. Mm. nobody is a racist or was a racist mm. uh, mandela imprisoned himself we probably walked into mm. the prisons and tortured ourselves mm. and um, all those people are gone now only angels are left mm. and mm. Um, we must not demand our freedom because you know we're, it's rude mm. or militant or whatever yeah, yeah. to do that. Yeah. So that kind of nonsense really should not face anybody mm. who knows anything about the revolution. Mm. It's it it is always going to be like that. You're going to be demonized and insulted and deliberately misunderstood. Mm. Mm. That's what it's all about. That's why it's called a revolution. It's not a Sunday picnic. Well, Dad, I think. It's interesting because we, we had a lot of other things, but your early story just, it was just became too compelling and we needed to just go into it in depth. Yes. And I think that's a beautiful way. People are spending family time <clears throat> talking to people in their families. Maybe it will also inspire these kind of conversations mm. um, for those who are watching. There's another conversation, which hopefully when again, stars and diaries align, whether that's in an, another year or something, mm. um, your life in the law yes. and the different cases and your views on the law. Mm. And um, just a precursor to that um, is 
you've always been criticized for your cases. So I remember when you're doing the Nganja case, yeah. uh, which could be viewed as against yeah. uh, former President Zuma, mm. the case about the, getting the state capture report uh, and the state capture commission. Yeah. I remember you being criticized. So, so those were very unpopular cases yeah. at a time. Mm. And then people forget and they're like, but so, so your life in the law, we have, to, we have to get into on another episode one of these days. No, we must do that because that's actually crucial yeah. because um, also, you know, f funny enough, in the, I, t I spoke to you about the, the Cry the Beloved Country, mm. a book I read in, when I was 13 or 14 years. Mm. There's a passage there in that which, which fascinated me about... Um, it's something like it's, it's kind of uh, uh, rhythmical mm. uh, where the one person says to the other that yeah, if the law is unjust, then that law is not law or it's not justice and so on, mm. so on something mm. like that. Yeah. Mm. And I'm a big believer in that. So if you like, I don't uh, subscribe to what one might call now that you are a law student mm, one, one might it. call posi po positivism oh mm. yes yeah mm. well yeah. I, I, well in case people didn't know yeah. That, yeah, exactly. that you are now studying for your fifth degree <laughs> and it's in law yeah. Yeah. as as people can see I come from a tradition of <laughs> academic yes excellence. absolutely um, but you you um have to have certain parameters. The law is a very serious business mm. because um, like economics, I think it touches all of us. Mm. And therefore, my belief is that uh, you, you need to pursue justice uh, even more than the law because mm. the, sometimes those two things are different, mm. uh, the law and justice. And people don't understand that, that um, Nazism was the law, mm. apartheid was the law, Colonialism was the law, mm. but was it justice? No. So the fact that something is the law um, can be the most um, unjust uh, system. Mm. So you need to be driven by something beyond the law, but, but justice itself. And uh, one of the most important tenets of justice is that everybody is entitled to a a um, to legal representation so it something that i find revolting to deny somebody legal representation as was done for example recently with advocate Nkwebane, mm. uh, the public protector uh, you know people do it so easily mm. they just like you know take away your legal representation mm. so one of the legacies i'd like to leave is exactly that to say yeah. anybody but anybody, I'm talking about like the yeah. serial child rapist, pedophile, who rapes babies, the, the most vile human being you can think of. Anybody deserves legal representation. Um, and it, 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 to represent those, that person as a lawyer, not as a member of society, you mm. can as a member of society you can condemn them or even beat them up if you want. But as a lawyer, a professional lawyer, your duty is to represent that person and do your best, irrespective, do the best as you would be representing the Pope or any any mm. other person. Yeah. Otherwise, don't be a lawyer. 
if that's too much for you, that's fine. Mm. Then become an accountant mm. or what or so, mm. something else. Yeah. But once you've decided that this is going to be your role in society, yeah. then there can be anyone who is beneath um, legal representation. Mm. And um, so people will say, ah, oh, but how can you represent this one? Mm. How can you represent this one who did this and so on? Mm. But that's exactly, those are the people who, who, who require mm. legal representation. Um, and and, and that, that's something I know that uh, some of the young lawyers are beginning to realize yeah. this and I get invited to talk to them and so on sure. and to explain it. Mm. Um, but it's something that I feel very strongly mm. about. Mm. And so I don't care whether you are Zuma mm. or Patricia DeLille or, mm. or anybody that mm. I've, I've represented. Mm. And you're the most hated or loved person. Yeah, You can be sure that I'll represent you with everything I've got. Mm. And uh, something I've said before is this, I always get asked by people, why, why, for example, they know that I'm a member, I was even a leader of the EFF yeah. at the time. Why, and even myself, I don't know, why have people come from the DA, mm. like um, Patricia DeLille, UDM, COPE, yeah. IFP, ANC, every faction, uh, yeah, CR17 and mm. the so-called RIT come to me for representation, mm. and I say it's probably I don't know why they do that because some they they know where I stand politically. Mm. I never hide it, mm. but I suspect they know that they're going to get professional representation, mm. fearless representation. Whatever differences I might have with them politically are not going to feature, yeah. and I'm going to do. Uh, the best that I that I can. Mm. So and and in a country where injustice is part of our DNA, yeah, um, I think that's important. It might be a small contribution, um, but it's one that has to be to be made. So you'll find that in these cases, yeah, this side the public will be here, and others this side and so on. Yeah. But for me, it's all consistent. There's really been no. I've always done mm. what I do. Also, by the way. The people always say, how do you um, uh, balance between your role as a lawyer and the role as a politician? Mm -hmm. And again, I say, I don't see, I, I can't, I don't know where that, mm -hmm. that um, mm -hmm. uh, differentiation is. Because for me, it's about justice. Yeah. I, don't, I don't believe, neither, I will never ever believe that you can get justice by being a lawyer uh, only mm -hmm. or by l l cases because that, that would take a thousand years. Yeah? Mm. So I believe if you want to change society, you must get your, your hands dirty in the political arena. And therefore, for me, the law and the politics are two sides of the same mm. coin. It's a pursuit for justice, political justice, social justice, legal justice, uh, economic justice, uh, are all but um, sides of the same thing. And um, so uh, there's no, I don't say, okay, now I'm the lawyer, mm -hmm. or I'm, now mm -hmm. I'm this or, or the other, mm -hmm. uh, because it's, it's, it's really the pursuit of the same thing called, called justice, which I, I feel deeply about. Even if it's just a small thing, I mean, even if I see somebody being stopped by the traffic police mm -hmm. who should not be stopped, mm -hmm. if I feel that this is unjust for some reason or another, I'll stop yeah. my car, 
and go there and talk to them or whatever mm. and then move on that's because, that's mm. what gets me now we're going into this but hey yes oh, it yeah. was supposed to be <laughs> yeah. the next the episode yeah. but it's it's just so interesting <clears throat> what what also gets me and, and i think it's detrimental to the practice when media narratives make it seem like the only cases that lawyers are doing are the public facing ones mm. when oh yes you you're doing so many cases at so many different times that nobody knows about. Oh, like yes. a, it'll be a pro bono case for someone who yeah. broke their leg and yeah. like reached out to you, and, mm. and there's no media spotlight on that. No, but it's like it's it's yeah, yeah. it's the funniest thing. I mean, <laughs> the the detractors um, again because of. Uh, maybe when we do the next episode, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll which we're not doing, which now. we're not doing, yeah. definitely yeah, this not. Is, yeah, but, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but hey, yeah. Uh, but uh, please tell but me. But that is it, may yeah. Uh, um, so you get, for example, the, the, this narrative because uh, of 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 the uh, what I think are the, the biggest flaws in our judiciary. Something we'll talk about some other time. Mm. So there's there's this narrative about um, people don't understanding why you do certain cases mm. even when you know for the outcome mm. for for various reasons which I can't go into now. Mm. So they say yeah okay well but how can you do the case when you know you're going to lose mm. yeah mm. and um, the the favorite <laughs> favorite one in fact it was a couple of weeks ago. Um, uh, I was literally coming from court. Mm. Uh, I had just done, uh, 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 as you say, none of the cases in the public spotlight. I think yeah. it was a bail appeal or something. Mm. Um, <clears throat> and so I'm, I'm on my way back, I get to my office and then the, uh, we're busy celebrating with the attorneys because we've just gotten this person out, out on bail. Mm. And, mm. But on Twitter, the message is, oh, well, when did you last win a case? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I think, okay, if I could answer and say, well, actually five yeah. minutes ago, yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. you know, you just have to, mm. Um, mm. You, you can't, because uh, if, if you ever got drawn into that mundane, mm. Uh, mm. banal, stupid level, yeah. Then you'll just go mad, yeah. And and so when it was in just, Kandla and the state capture report and secret yeah, ballot yeah, and all of those and massive, con no one was like, oh, it's just a trail of victories. Only yeah, yeah, only absolutely. Win. Yeah, when did you last lose yeah, a case? Yeah, yeah, no, nobody asked that. Yeah, yeah. no, but um, again, you know, the 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 the, the idea of looking into mm. the big picture mm. and doing what you do best, and knowing that you do things that actually many people wouldn't even. Mm. Uh, dream of doing mm. breaking new law creating new precedent and um, making problems for the law students because mm. law students and I'm, I'm not their favorite right now because <laughs> they keep on saying all these cases you are doing yeah. now they come into the exams yeah. because these things we nobody used to yeah. even talk about them now we are being asked about this case and that case which i, I find quite quite uh, <laughs> uh, fascinating well the funniest moment for me by the way on that was in in uh my company law exam when I had Mbofu versus the SABC as a case to study. And I was like, ah, by the way, yeah. a case that no one actually reads, Absolutely. which completely, uh, let's not even go yeah. in, into that. No, it's and, true. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I once had to rely on that case mm. in, the, in in court yeah, yeah. and uh, the judge yeah. was laughing and uh, but i was quite serious in the case of, <laughs> of SABC and so on even yeah. my opponent picked up laughing yeah. 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 yeah but yeah no you're right look one day the stories will be written yeah. one day we'll uh, probably do 
a book, hopefully. I hope so. On some of these If cases. Netflix is watching, mm-hmm. like, at some yeah. point, well, I think the thing I've always felt is that you, well, firstly, you're so busy that you don't have time to tell your yeah. story. But we've, we've barely scratched the surface here. And yeah. at some point, we need to think about how we, how we tell the story yeah. in its full depth and complexity. Well, I know a good interviewer. Well, uh, <laughs> yeah, 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 this is part one of um, Absolutely, three, volume yeah, one. Yeah. yeah. But, and um, as it happens, uh, I also have a son who's exactly, studying yeah. fil- yeah. film and media. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. exactly. And a daughter who, who likes making money. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so, <laughs> so, so I think we've got, so we've we've got, got, got all, it all in the family. <laughs> Dad, thank you so much. We look forward to the the Life in the Law episode. But I think, yeah, today was was really amazing to hear your story, hear what what made you who you are and the parts of the Dailin Bofu that nobody has got to see. So thank you so much for taking time out of your very busy schedule to uh, join us on SMWX. And uh, Well done, my boy. And that is very good. And uh, I suppose it's ayeye. <laughs> <laughs> That's the word. Hold on, sis. Say hi to Hakim. Hakim. <laughs>